Welcome to a new episode of the Noner Cloud Podcast. I'm your host Dharmesh Waya. This podcast series is designed to help you understand and demystify products and solutions around cloud technologies so that you can take the right decisions in adopting it for your business. In the past episodes, we have talked about public, private and hybrid cloud as well as dived into the core compute fundamentals. The next step would be to look at the storage aspect as it pertains to a large share of the cloud services. Each of us today use storage services that live on the public cloud whether it's Google Drive, WeTransfer, Dropbox, anything. Moreover, these apps we interact with are powered by cloud storage services and enterprises too rely on private or shared storage mechanisms that form the backbone of their business. Our guest today is an expert from the field who will tell us how we can go about choosing the right cloud storage solution that suits our needs. He's Gajun Ganendran, CTO pre-sales leader at IBM cloud platform Asia Pacific. Gajun comes with more than a decade of experience in developing and executing a tech roadmap for IBM and working with clients to improve their business outcomes. Glad to have you with us on the Noner Cloud Podcast, Gajun. Welcome. Hi, Dharmesh, and thanks for inviting me. To start off, considering your broad-based role within IBM, let me ask you what your day looks like at work on any given day. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question, Dharmesh. Um, so I run a team of um, cloud architects. Um, their job is primarily to support the client engagements. Um, on a day-to-day basis, um, I do quite a lot of things. Um, I support some of those key enterprise um, engagements that we have with clients. Um, I get in- engaged when there's a, a what we call a crit sit or a critical situation where there's potential issues that uh, uh, happen where, where I need to kind of get in and kind of coordinate between our worldwide team and our local team. Um, and um, I'm also here to kind of get feedback from clients, uh, get feedback from the markets um, that I can kind of feed back into our kind of corporate strategy and corporate direction for IBM's public cloud. That sounds like a demanding and exciting role, Gajun, with more and more companies across the globe adopting a work from home formula. The demand for cloud services has only risen. Can you talk a little about how this shift impacts the growth in this sector? So I think there's a couple of key reasons why we're seeing such a large growth in cloud storage. Um, firstly, I, I feel that there's a huge shift in organizations moving work close to the cloud. And I think everybody sees that and sees that transition. Um, you're basically shifting a lot of those data processing activities to the cloud. And naturally, as part of that data processing activity, there is a growing need Um, especially when data is required for the data to be as close as possible to the application. Um, So the amount of data that's being generated is ever increasing. And as a result, we're seeing a huge requirement for storage, especially cloud storage. And just to give you a very small example, um, I was just checking up on this interesting data uh, point. In a single minute, 300 hours of video is uploaded onto YouTube. So YouTube being an application, very data-centric application. So you can just imagine how much data is needed in the cloud to support applications like this. Uh, The other key aspect, and if you look at this more from an enterprise perspective, we're looking at organizations, looking at kind of augmenting 
traditional infrastructure purchases with cloud-based services. So one of the, uh, I would say, least complex of cloud services is cloud storage, which can be integrated with a lot of the legacy enterprise applications such as backup processes. So this is kind of one of the key drivers where we're seeing a lot of people start to use, a lot of enterprises start to use um, uh, cloud storage. Uh, very much agreed on that, Gudge. And and I was like kind of looking up a report uh, on Gartner around this and storage solutions that actually fall under the IAS domain is one of the fastest growing segment with almost a 24% predicted growth in the next few years. And there has been a buying spree around storage for businesses that have started embracing cloud as remote work becomes more and more common. Can you share some broad segmentation around these products that has been trending in the recent times? Yeah, look, uh, I would break cloud storage into into three key buckets. Um, one is what we call block storage. Now, block storage has been around for years, uh, but in terms of a deployment option in the public cloud, it's really, really suited for transactional processing where you need really high, val- high volume Uh, low latency requirements, things like, for example, your credit card processing applications. So we're seeing a lot of these transactional systems now move to the public cloud. The second key aspect of of storage we see, or second type of storage we see is file storage. Um, Now, file storage uh, in the the public cloud is really about um, use cases where we're seeing a lot of sharing of content, where there's a lot of scalability requirements. Uh, and you have a lot of users accessing the same pieces of, 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 um, of data. And then thirdly, we've got object storage. Now, object storage is probably the, the fastest growing category of um, cloud storage. And this is where, really kind of where a lot of popular uh, cloud storage services like IBM Cloud Object Storage, AWS S3, Azure Blob Storage, these are services that are really taking off because uh, of the fundamental reason why unstructured data um, is is a key key requirement that many of us use today. And I think, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we we heard about Google Drive, we've heard about OneDrive. A lot of the backend systems that store a lot of this unstructured data is object storage, and we're seeing a huge, huge growth, especially in the object storage space. Certainly, and just to reemphasize for our listeners of the Nonard Cloud podcast. Cloud storage is not just your regular Google Drive, Box or Dropbox or any of these file sharing solutions. It's just a layer on top, but it's inherently a lot of traditional forms of storage that you need to host and drive your applications upon. And and just to give some statistics, like the cloud storage market was like probably valued around 47 billion in 2019 and is projected to grow almost like 220 billion plus in the next five or seven years. Uh, Kurt, can you share some industry-specific use cases across these storage segments? So, for example, like healthcare might be wanting to use a particular type of storage versus like financials want to use a different type of storage. How do we align industry use cases with these type of storages? So, I kind of talked about very briefly before those three types of cloud-based storage um, um, types. So you've got block storage, you've got file storage, and you've got object storage. Now, if you kind of look at block storage, block storage, uh, as I mentioned earlier, has been around for a while. It's it's really a block of data. Um, and typically what happens is that block of data is then provisioned by an operating system. So it's really kind of something that's very low 
um, low level. It's great for databases and transactional workloads. Um, for example, in the financial services sector, as I, as I briefly mentioned before, a lot of the core banking systems, OLTP type workloads where you have very high transactional volumes, but you need a response very quickly, um, block storage devices are great. Um, and from a deployment model, typically block storage devices are used a lot in those on-premise type private cloud deployment requirements. Um, file storage um, is another type of storage, uh, cloud storage type. It's great for high performance computing, parallel processing type activities. For example, in the oil and gas sector, uh, where there's a large amount of exploration data that's being generated, and you need a mechanism to be able to process this large volume of data by kind of chunking it up into smaller pieces and processing it as quick as possible, file storage is a fantastic um, use case for that. And to your earlier point about healthcare, you know, object storage is a great example. Now, if you look at healthcare as an industry, healthcare has a lot of, um, you know, unstructured data or archival requirements. You know, in, in, in the case of healthcare, you have, um, you know, uh, medical images, DICOM images, for example, that need to be retained for a minimum of seven years. This content needs to be stored in, a, in an environment that cannot be uh, modified and basically it can stand the duration of that of that period of time in a highly protected way and that's where object storage is a fantastic solution for those kind of large volumes of data and data that needs to be retained for great uh, long periods of time um, and again um, another great use case when we talk about object storage is also in, around things like um, you know it, it is a it is an internet it supports internet-based protocols or HTTP-based protocols so things like file synchronization services or uh, hybrid cloud use cases where you have um, a, a user accessing it from an, a public cloud uh, or, or, a, or, a, or an on-prem deployment over the network in a hybrid cloud deployment model. It's great for those kind of use cases. So those would probably be the three big kind of areas and three big kind of storage medium types that would support those requirements. Thanks for those examples, Gaj. They really brought to life the differences between different storage products on offer. Let me remind the listeners of the Nonert Cloud Podcast that they can always customize any storage solution or provision and manage it to suit as per their workloads. What sort of advice do you have for decision makers who are trying to choose the right offering to suit their business outcomes? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Dharmesh. So, so the first thing I would do is look at the use case itself before choosing the storage type. So, um, you know, for example, in the healthcare industry, you know, do I need to retain my my data for a long period of time? Do I need to retain it for a seven-year period, or a ten-year period, or a fifteen-year period? Depending on, so if we look at look at the healthcare industry, if you need to retain data for a long period of time, you need to worry about how the data is protected. So how do you ensure protection of uh, data that needs to be stored for that period of time? And when you when you kind of go through the, the, the logic, then what technologies support data to be retained for that period of time? So you need to worry about data durability. And then once you get to the next stage, then you go, okay, which storage medium supports that requirement? And in the case of healthcare, object storage is a phenomenal solution that handles that kind of long-term, uh, uh, you know, uh, archival and retention requirements. Now, at the same time, you may have a specific performance requirement, you know, so I'm building a core banking system on a cloud native application. 
and I need sub millisecond response times to be able to process that transaction. Now, to be able to do that, you know, I, I'm, I typically use a database system. The database system needs to be provisioned and leverage an underlying storage system. What's the best storage medium to support that kind of low latency requirement? And Block is a great solution for that. So I would typically start um, by looking at the use case, looking at the performance requirements for the application, looking at the capacity requirements as well. Um, now, now, talking about, for example, um, you know, capacity, when I have to build an application, for instance, like a like a Netflix style application where I'm building a video on demand solution for my customers, I need to store petabytes and petabytes of data that can be served up and, and sent to, uh, you know, different devices. You know, what handles petabytes of capacity? File storage systems are, are fairly good at it. Object storage systems are phenomenal at doing it. But when you're doing things like high processing, of you know, a transcoding requirements, file serving solutions or file storage serving solutions are phenomenal. So it really does go back to looking at the use case, looking at the performance requirements, looking at the capacity requirements, and then making a decision on whether I need to, whether my existing application needs to be rewritten to support the new storage medium, or can I just use it as is? So these are some of the things that I typically think about before you make a, make a decision on the right type of storage system to support your requirements. That's an invaluable piece of advice for our listeners, Guts. Performance, capacity, and the use case are crucial to determine the right product fit. Let me ask you now to tell us about something around enterprise data security on cloud. As companies recognize that it is critical to protect consumer data, can you talk a little about what are the most recent developments on this front, whether it is a web-based or an API-driven service? Absolutely, Dharmesh. So, so a couple of key things to know. I mean, we've heard some pretty, pretty horrendous stories where, you know, data that's, uh, you know, credit card information that's been sitting on a cloud storage device uh, gets um, accessed and made accessible to people um, unbeknownst to the company. I mean, we've, we've seen many, many examples of that uh, quite recently as well. One of the key things, and, and again, one key thing to highlight with cloud and, and especially with things like cloud storage, is this is really about a shared responsibility model between both the customer and the cloud service provider. So before embarking on any type of cloud strategy, you need to first understand exactly what are the key capabilities that the cloud provider offers. But at the same time, you need to look at what are your own corporate um, uh, security policies and what are your responsibilities as a customer and what are the responsibilities of the service provider before embarking on this. Now to answer your question specifically, you know, one of the most fundamental things to look at when you're looking at security is really around encryption of data. Now, when we talk about encryption of data, we talk about two aspects to encryption of data. One, one is where we call it data in transit encryption, and the other is what we call data at rest encryption. So, um, you know, data that's stored um, in, you know, on the cloud typically, and most cloud providers offer this, they offer key management services that can be used to encrypt data that's sitting on the service provider's environment. The other aspect is when you're accessing the data, how do you access the data? Is that channel where you're accessing the data encrypted? For example, in the case of object storage, um, object storage is accessible over um, HTTP protocols. So when you're accessing the data, are you doing that securely using HTTPS, using signed certificates? So these are some of the things that you need to consider. The other key things that you need to consider is things like password hygiene. You know, are you using uh, strong passwords? Are you using uh, two-factor authentication? 
to, to access that particular cloud storage. Um, and, and that's just on the, on the security side of the data. We're seeing a lot of clients also use what we call client-side encryption. So instead of using the cloud service provider's own native encryption services, encrypting the data at the application side and storing and sending that encrypted data over to the cloud, uh, to the cloud storage environment. That's, that's another option. Um, the other key thing to note is also, you know, how do you protect your data if it's hacked? You know, how do you ensure that, you know, someone doesn't, uh, you know, especially when it comes to things like ransomware attacks. So some of the strategies that can be employed, for example, is storing multiple versions of your content. So you can always recover a, a, a previously good version of content that's being stored. And, and that's, that's some techniques that can be used. You know, leveraging object storage, for example, is a great way of, of reducing some of the ransomware exposure that clients have. So there's many, many factors that can kind of be considered under the umbrella of security. Protecting data, whether it's in transit or at rest, versioning or being prepared for any eventuality and strengthening password protocols are some of the steps that you can take to ensure that your data stays secure. Data protection is a shared responsibility as we all know. Can you talk a little about different global standards and protocols like GDPR or HIPAA and how do storage solutions ensure compliance with regulatory demands across geographical contexts? There's a couple of key aspects to these particular standards. So in the case of, for example, um, HIPAA regulations or GDPR compliance regulations or, or things like PCI DSS compliance, for example, it's all around you know, how long you retain the data, who has access to the data, um, and how do you ensure auditability of, of the data that's being stored? So how do you know exactly where it is at any particular time? So from an auditability perspective, the first thing you need to look at is how do you ensure that data is completely tracked and ring-fenced and you know exactly where that resides um, in a particular cloud provider's environment? And, and typically what I would look for uh, when looking at that kind of um, is the monitoring solutions that are available and also how does the cloud, cloud provider adhere to some of those standards. So in the case of IBM, for example, um, you know, we adhere to some of these standards like HIPAA compliance um, and ISO 27001 and some of the NIST regulations at a service provider uh, perspective. At the technology level, you can enforce some of the key capabilities that are available with some of the cloud storage devices. So for example, when it comes to HIPAA, it's not just about um, you know, uh, you know, retaining and securing the data. It's about how long you keep that data for as part of an information lifecycle policy. So a lot of the object storage technologies that are out there, you can start to create workflow capabilities that that effectively you can track how long the data is you know, uh, retained for and how do you dispose of that data in a automatic fashion through a control process and through a control mechanism. So all of those capabilities should be something that you should look for when you're looking at a cloud provider. How do they, how do they monitor this? What's the auditability that they have? How do they actually secure that data? And how do you ensure proper information lifecycle governance and policies at the technology level as well? You made some excellent points, guys. Could you talk a little about how partnering with IBM offers an advantage to customers? What sort of differentiation can they expect when they engage with a large and experienced player like IBM? Now, one of the things that IBM does that's very, very unique in the market, especially around cloud storage, 
is we offer what we call regional resiliency capabilities for our storage services. So you could effectively deploy, and I think you talked about this briefly about, uh, we, we touched on um, healthcare, for example, where customers need to be able to ensure that the data is, um, you know, can last for seven years, can last for 10 years, right? And typically, how do you ensure that you do that? And a mechanism to do that is by techniques like replication. So copying the data and ensuring that the data can be reconstructed if there's any kind of uh, data center outage. Now, what IBM does that's very unique is that we offer this regional resiliency capabilities where we've kind of created um, storage repositories or storage services in different countries and you can effectively replicate data across regions um, so you can really offer the highest level of data resiliency now what's really really critical is around the network charges as well now what IBM does that's unique is that the replication charges between these regions are effectively free of charge so customers don't pay for that additional burden or that additional cost associated to replication. So when you look at a total cost of ownership, you've got to take into factors these particular costs when you're embarking on um, you know, things like resiliency and data storage. And of course, um, price is always something that is, you know, um, you know, comes up in conversation a lot. Um, IBM Cloud Object Storage, you know, one of the things that I urge customers to do is have a look at our, um, you know, website, have a look at the object storage calculator, pricing calculator, and you get to see the transparent pricing that we put there. And you'll be, you know, very pleasantly surprised about the cost of the storage um, that we provide uh, versus the competition. Competitive cost and transparency are high on the priority list for any customer. I would assume, can we delve a little more into this subject and take a moment to discuss how adopting the right cloud storage solution can impact your bottom line. I read a research report that talked about companies reducing their total cost of ownership by almost 60-65%. How should companies go about calculating TCO benefits offered by embracing the power of cloud? Sure, sure, Damish. Um, so, so cost savings are really dependent on the use case. Um, so for example, if we look at unstructured data sitting in clients on-prem environments today, on average, 60% of this data is typically never accessed after six months after creation. So just a great example is if you open up your laptop and if you have a look at all the files sitting on your laptop, majority of those applicate or those the, the data that you've created, you you probably haven't looked at that PowerPoint file or that image file that you you stored on that uh, you know six months after it was it was stored on your laptop or you created that. And that's that's also true with enterprises. Now typically what happens with enterprises is that a lot of this data is sitting on expensive tier one storage on-prem. So data is created and it's exponentially growing very few companies that I've seen actually have a disposition process where they look at their existing content and say, okay, what data can I get rid of? Everybody wants to keep it. <laughs> Nobody wants to get rid of it. And typically what happens is when you store ex you know, data on very expensive tier one storage, it can cost you up to $3 per gigabyte, which is very, very expensive once you start looking at petabytes of capacity that need to, uh, you know, where you need to store that data. So one of the things that I, I always recommend is I always recommend to customers to do a, a, an assessment of the data, look at their aging policies, 
Look at the content where it's stored. Look for duplicate information that's sitting there. Something as simple as doing a data assessment itself can uncover a lot of the wastage and a lot of the space savings that can be achieved. Now, once you've determined that, to your point about HIPAA or your point about some of the local requirements, you may not have the luxury of getting rid of that data for compliance purposes. You may need to store it. Why not archive that data into a very, very, very low cost cloud storage option like object storage, which typically costs less than a cent per gig per month. So really depending on the use cases, and I've given you an example of a very simple archival use case, start with that assessment, start with understanding that use case, and then you can start to really look at the benefits of moving that to a, a really low cost storage option in the cloud. So optimizing storage and doing a data audit is crucial to cut back on unnecessary spends on storage. Those are some excellent suggestions, Gaj. Before we close out, could you share some best practices when it comes to implementation of storage solutions? You know, when embarking on a cloud strategy or a cloud storage solution, you really need to look at the benefits that cloud provides. Um, so, you know, as much as, you know, I, I love to talk about the benefits of public cloud, it's not always the case where it's cost effective necessarily to move workloads to the public cloud or for certain workload requirements, you probably can't do this. So it really starts with making that assessment first. So by leveraging cloud storage you know, solutions, some of the questions that I ask myself or I ask clients to think about is, do I get any TCO benefits versus doing this on-prem? Are there any performance gains based on the scale-up variable capacity I get in the cloud? And once you've made that justification, then you can start looking at some of the security and data resiliency implications. Um, you know, some of them could be, do I know where my data resides in the cloud? How critical is that data? Do I need to ensure that the data is never lost? Can I incorporate data, uh, you know, replication techniques in the cloud? What are the SLAs offered in the cloud for data availability and durability? How should I secure the data? So these are some of the questions that I that 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 I typically pose to the customers for them to start thinking about. You know, what are the steps that I need to take before I embark on a cloud uh, uh, strategy? And then, of course, we can start going into specific details around um, access rights, access management, before we even get to the stage of what is the technology that suits and how do we go about implementing it. So it really starts with, you know, uncovering the, the core value proposition that the customer gets by embarking on a cloud strategy and a cloud storage strategy, um, you know, rather than just going in and saying, you know, cloud is the answer for everything. Asking the right questions is crucial to uncover the full value offered by cloud solutions. And you have certainly given us all the apt answers to our questions today. Gaj, thank you so much for your insights and your time. It has been a pleasure speaking with you today. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. That's all for this episode of the No Not Cloud podcast. Keep listening to more such episodes where we explore different cloud concepts around containers, app modernization, and here industry use cases from recognized experts, only on awaaz.com. This is your host, Dharmesh Waya, signing off. Goodbye.